Welcome back to another episode of View from the Gallagher. I'm your host, Ian Smith, a Newcastle United season ticket holder in the Gallagher end. And this week I'm joined by my dad, Gordon. Dad, how's your week been? Uh, mixed <laughs> from the uh, catastrophe of Brighton. Then your mother had a slight accident on Tuesday when she went over and we thought, oh, the worst. Um, and now between us, we've got two good legs, basically. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's been mixed, and this, the rest of it has been, you know, obviously just thankful that she's getting better, and it's not going to prevent us going on holiday next week. But I suppose the biggest disappointment was the um, the call to the club on Monday morning, which we'll probably touch on later. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's we'll we'll get to that in a minute. We'll talk about the Milan match in a little minute. I just wanted to start really with um, the sad news, really. Well, very sad news that former Newcastle United goalkeeper Steve Harper suffered a stroke. Um, earlier this week and you know Harper's only 48 years old so this news was pretty pretty shocking to be honest with you wasn't it? Absolutely yeah very very much so shocking is the word anybody when they're younger uh, than me is um, it is a shock and 48 year old but it just emphasises that strokes can hit anybody at any age I mean that's what they say isn't it Um Thankfully, seems to be make, is on the mend, but what it mean long term for him, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, we wish him well, um, obviously. Yeah, very much so. Wish him well. Hopefully, his he can make a full recovery or a, a very strong recovery. Yeah. I mean, as a family, we've been affected by strokes in the past. Um, my granddad had a very bad stroke, unfortunately. So I know firsthand just how horrific they are and how horrible yeah. they are, and I do wish. Steve Harper, all the best. He was a really, obviously, great servant to the club. 20 years with Newcastle United, actually, in total. Um, And like I say, still only 48. I had had no idea he was still that young, really. Like that, that kind of surprised me when I saw that. That he was, he's only eight years old and eight or nine years older than me. Yes, considering when you think it's 25 years he played in the cup final, or was it 26 or 24? I mean, he remember when he played in there. He played in the 99 one, I think, didn't he? 99 is what he The Man United one, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but he, he, I mean, I've seen him a lot as well on local um, Look North programmes over the last few years, you know, as being the, the guy on the, the seat next to the host, uh, usually Jeff Brown. But, uh, yeah, he's a good guy, you know, and he's... Uh, uh, I mean, for somebody who didn't play that much for us, really, uh, over the years, but he was always reliable, wasn't he? So he was, yeah, uh, he was. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I was looking. He he only had 157 league appearances for us, which mm. is bonkers, really. But I guess he was there for decades, wasn't he? It doesn't seem that way. Yeah. Yeah, I guess Shergiven was there, and that was for yeah. the bulk of his his career. Anyway, let's move on. So tickets for mm. Newcastle's first Champions League match against Milan have been on sale and pretty much sold out. I think at this point, great for those people going, of course. But I kind mm. of just wanted to talk about this, just from your perspective really because I know that just through pure literal like pure coincidence you happen to have booked a holiday pretty close to Milan before the Champions League draw was well before the Champions League draw was made probably even before we'd qualified for the Champions League mm-hmm. and then through the you know the a twist of fate we drew Milan in the group and then lo and behold when the fixtures were then announced Milan was the game that was you know away to Milan was when your holiday was, but it's not been great for you, has it? In terms of getting a ticket, 
Well, for me personally, I could have got a ticket. I mean, I'm a season ticket holder. Um, I would have gotten a ticket. So there's, there's no two, two ways about that. The issue is that you can't go for obvious reasons. You're working in Scarborough. And I guess a lot of people have got tickets who kind of get simply because, you know, they're working. Um, yeah. my, my thought with a club was, would they allow a transfer to a nominated person like they do with the home tickets. Now, I guess they, they kind of sort of nominate, you know, you kind of do 10, they either can for the home ones, and I do understand it. Um, but when I rang them, they, it was just flat no. They, they wouldn't, because I would be jumping ahead, or that ticket would be jumping ahead of a, of a, a season ticket holder. Yeah. And I can fully understand that as well. The more I've thought about it through the week, and clearly they've sold out now, but the points, loyalty points have come right down. But well, there does seem to be a bit of a all or nothing, isn't it? I mean, thinking about it, what would happen if me and you bought tickets and then one of us, for whatever reason, couldn't go? Maybe we're ill, maybe you're at work. You, you know, it happens. Then what happens to the that ticket then? If you kind of nominate it, the chances are, particularly on going to Milan or, in a, you know, any way fixture down in the south, say, from here, you, you, you're probably not going to want to go. You're, not, or you're going to find it difficult to go. Um, yeah. Um, I so it's... yeah, I just think um, I, I totally understand what they're trying to do with the away tickets. I, I actually mm. do get it and feel like that th there was an issue of people with lots of loyalty. Basically, the rich getting richer. I get that because there yeah. were quite a few people who would buy loyalty, buy a ticket, get a loyalty point. And then not go to the game, but they'd pass it on to someone willing to buy the ticket at face value. There was, I don't think I, I doubt there was very much. I doubt there was many cases of people selling the ticket for more than it was worth. But the value of the loyalty point to the person selling it was obviously yeah. a big thing. And if you had hundreds of loyalty points, you could get a ticket for anywhere match guaranteed, and then your your loyalty point total gets bigger. Yeah. And clearly, the club wanted to stop that, and that's I kind I get that. I'm fully on board with that. But for, for us, we've got a decent amount of loyalty points. We've not got hundreds, but we've got more than most, I would say, judging by yeah. what I see elsewhere. And it's not like we go to loads of away games. So, so the club could probably look at our purchase history and see, well, they're not buying a ticket to every single away yeah. match. Yeah. So, yeah. so clearly this is a genuine case of, you know, look has, look, look, the luck is that this game's arrived and you're abroad when it happens but then you just can't get a second ticket um for my man yeah. basically yeah. and it, it just and seems it... a bit of a it does seem like a bit of an oversight that there's not something in place such as maybe on away tickets you can mm -hmm. swap say two tickets a year or something mm -hmm. like that and then I don't, yeah, see, yeah. I don't see how that would be so damaging no, I mean, either. And, and, and I think, you know, I mean, I saw all the comments on Twitter after I posted what I posted because I was a bit furious. Um, and, and I say I understand some of them, but people saying, you know, some random getting a ticket. Well, your mum's not a random. She's been at loads of games over the years where you or Andrew couldn't get to a game and a lot of weight games as well where she travelled, you know, like with, with, with us when, when yeah. the ticket was available. And really, for and I know families who share tickets. I mean, yeah. there are there are lots of people in that situation where they've got one season ticket and they divide it up and they go to alternate home games or whatever it might be. Yeah. My, my other... view on it, I think, is that 
I think you, you're going to end up being very unfortunate here in a sense because what I think is if you if this had happened one year ago, you'd have got tickets without mm-hmm. a doubt. Yeah. And and I, I, I reckon, I predict in, if this happens in 12 months' time, you're probably going to be all right as well because I believe that the club will address this issue of away tickets because I think yeah. so far the ticketing policy for away matches in particular, in particular has not been... The be- there's been a lot of complaints about mm. it from lots of people, so I-, I think it will be tweaked again in the future. Yeah. I do wonder if I do wonder if some sort of system like you can you can nominate for say two away games a season, someone else yeah. or whatever, if that would come in. Possibly, and the other angle I was thinking of though, Ian, was um, you know there are a lot of our supporters, you know, loyal supporters live elsewhere in the country. You know, there's a big. Newcastle Sports Club down in London, isn't there? And I'm sure there's other places. And those people, there's no point in them having a season ticket um, because they can't get to the home games. They can't travel. And under the current, the new regulation anyway, if they nominate people to have that ticket more than 10 times, they'll, they'll get it investigated. So you've got a lot of loyal supporters down in other parts of the country who were reliant on maybe people... With season gonna, and, and as it stands at the moment, they're never going to get to a game. And, and this is what, what I was going to say. What you've got in there was a closed shop, you know. And it, and it's 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 it. I, and I understand yeah, it's, it's know, a closed the, the shop, viewpoints. but it it's close to a bigger group than it might have used to have been. But it's still True. A, it's it, but it's but it yeah. excludes the. Not, I wouldn't say more casual fan because that's unfair. Like you say, you're, you're talking about people who are ardent supporters. They just happen to live somewhere else, probably for work yeah. reasons. Yeah. And and it is now penalising people like that. That's right. And I mean, I know you can't go back to the old ambient. You know, when I moved away from the northeast in in '79, I moved to Worcester. And the thing I missed most was obviously going to home games. I couldn't do it because I lived five and a half hours car journey, got the three or four home games. But what I did do was go to away games. It was in the days when you didn't have to have a ticket. You just turned up, pay cash at the turnside. Now, obviously, that's long in the past. But I do think there needs to be some recognition of the fact that a lot of supporters live in different parts of the country and that there should be some recognition of those, albeit that season ticket Holders have precedence. I understand that as well, but it's a, it's a really they've just seemed to have hammered it very quickly. It's gone from the back end of last season when the old systems were in place, and now we're here with digital tickets and you know the, this this draconian. But this set is of what rules. I'm saying. I think that I think the system will change again because I just think there's too much fuss about it. Yeah. Also, this is a club. We've got owners who are quite openly admitting they want to grow the fan base. They want to mm-hmm. get more supporters mm-hmm. in. Now, obviously, one step of that is it exp- expanding St. James's Park, making more tickets available to um, you know people on day trips and, and visiting the city you know from other countries and what have you. Surely that still counts for away games in a sense. So it's going to be very interesting if the club in the future mm-hmm. start holding some tickets back for, I don't know, package deals from, say, Saudi yeah. Arabia, as an example, for some of these new fans that are going to start supporting the club. Like, mm-hmm. are they going to be allowed to to purchase tickets in the future? And, and how is that going to fit into the, this system where the loyalty points is king and no one else has got a sniff? Yeah, and 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 you know, I mean, you, you think about your brother. He lives down in the southeast, as we as we know, and he would love to go to a, an away game. 
I mean, West Ham's his, his local team, as it were. And yeah. but he hasn't been able to get a ticket for an away game at West Ham in the six years that he's lived near it. So, yet you know, those are type of supporters who there are a lot of them who are now even more disadvantaged than they were before. And that's surely a part of the fan base that the club must recognise. Yeah. Do, do well, you know what I mean? Well, Andrew, my brother Andrew is a, a prime example of this, isn't he? He season ticket holder for 20-odd, 30 years, whatever, and obviously moved away to the southeast, and now can't basically can't get into games. It's very yeah. difficult for him to get into games. So it's it's an issue that's going to rumble on. I do appreciate there's there's all kinds of viewpoints. Um, there's probably people going to away games as well now who wouldn't have got the opportunity to. So in that respect, it's great. That's mm-hmm. working for some people. Mm-hmm. But I think if you take the policy overall, that it's just not quite right. It's just not no, quite right. It still needs some tweaking. And, yeah, it's a, it's a real shame that you just happen to be an hour from Milan and you're not going to be able to go because of yeah. not being able to get Mama Ticket, basically. Yeah. For what would have been a really, special, a really special occasion, like a really nice yeah. coincidental trip. But mm-hmm. it is what it is. And, unfortunately, is. The, the club's policy Just, is, what, just the, one, the one thing about that, the one last thing is, and I, I was thinking dwelling on this during the week, the days of 12,000 of us going to Milan for a group game or a, or a, a round of the Champions League, it'll just never happen now because the capacities, although the amount of tickets we're getting for this, I mean, it's 4,200. 4, mm. I mean, when you think what we did when we went into Milan, it was just a different age and it's only 20 years. It seemed like a very simpler time, didn't it, in a sense? It like, certainly did. In the, yeah. in the, I mean, really... So, Really, from the moment Mike Ashley bought the club, actually, is when, if you look at the revenue of the Premier League, Mike Ashley arriving at Newcastle, he came Mm -hmm. at exactly the wrong time for us because the Premier League and the growth of the game abroad and as a a premium entertainment product really Mm -hmm. rocketed from about 2005 onwards. Um, and, 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 And basically, events such as football matches... Tickets are a premium for for in a way that they even weren't twenty years ago. Like some of our Champions League home matches, which people have pointed out to me, I hadn't actually realised this, but they we they they weren't played in front of a sold out St James's Park. Some of those group games. Yeah, it's hard to imagine that, isn't it? I mean, because we're getting not sort of every home league game sold out now, and it but those Champions League nights, particularly the second lots with Bobby Robson. When, when I mean, we lost. Those first three games, didn't we? And it's, it does seem amazing, doesn't it, that they weren't sold out? But yeah. you know, well, it's it's different, you know. And Those things. I don't know. It's mad. There was no yeah. Twitter then, thankfully, which made life a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Very quick comment then about the Brighton match uh, last week. Well, we won't dwell on it for too long because it was obviously very horrific. Um, mm. I think a few lessons to to learn from it in terms of. Just where we are as a club, in a sense, I think I heard Alan Shearer talking actually on on his podcast the other day with Gary Lineker, and um, he made a point about Newcastle's transfer business, and he said he wasn't sure. He thinks that we've improved the squad, but we haven't improved the team from mm-hmm. last season. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that because I think I think we probably have got a slightly better team overall. We haven't seen it yet I don't think but I think 
I know what he's saying. We've bought Liveramento and Hall, and that's for the future in a sense. They're not first teamers now. I don't know what do you think. What do you think to that kind of point of view? Do Do you think the team isn't better, or do you think the team? <laughs> I think strengthened enough. I think it's hard to say one way or the other after four games is what I think. Um, I think there's a, after the Villa game, there was a huge overreaction and one or two of the YouTube sites went overhead, over the top, that we were, you know, brilliant beyond belief. We were, you know, and, and, and the, 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 the emphasis on that, of that performance. But that performance was flawed. I mean, it was great performance and we won comfortably, but there were lessons in that performance. The The Man City game, we can almost say, well, you know, it was sort of a, a game we expected to lose. But remember, before that game, we were all anticipating we might get something from it, even if it was a draw. But Yeah, so I just... felt very confident about that game. Not very confident, but I, I felt we had, I felt like we could actually win that game for the first time that I could ever remember thinking exactly. about it. Um, um, and obviously, and I actually still don't think. I think it's a bit weird, isn't it? The whole way we judge and view games. But the first half of that game was extremely disappointing. The second half was much better. We didn't really create loads of chances. But again, it's now become this narrative, especially after the Liverpool game, that the Man City game was a full, complete disaster. And I, I just yeah, don't think. I don't buy it. No, I don't get that. We actually defended in that first half very, very well. It was one yeah. chance where we where we really let them in and they took it. And that was the difference. The the Liverpool game, we were we were the first forty five minutes, we were we were excellent. And I deserved the one nil lead. Should have been two. Um Anthony Gordon was superb. Um, Trippier was fantastic that, in that first half against Liverpool and then for the, the second half for 20 minutes or 25 minutes we tried to contain Liverpool and we didn't know what to do whether to stick or twist I think we said this last week and then of course we got caught on the sucker punch in the last 10 minutes and it hurt and I think we, we suffered a little bit of men, mental um, setback from that um, against Brighton now Brighton we started off for the first three or four minutes it looked alright but we soon, I soon realised we were not at the races. Our passing was poor. Our intensity was poor. Our players, you know, you can go. Trippier was not good. And then Gordon was poor. He just didn't get in the game at all. Now, you can put this down to Brighton being a really good side. And they were fired up for it because they lost to West Ham at home the previous week. Um, but having said that, you know, the, the, the goal, that, that sort of the first goal... Um, it was just disappointing, you know. It was just uh, we were all over the place, really, um, in terms of what what happened in that game, and it was just very disappointing. Nick, I mean, we're talking about the players. That's what you want to go on to. But Nick Pope looked like a pale imitation of Nick Pope mm. um, yeah. in, in that match. Um, so, so yeah, the, the, do do I agree with Alan Shearer's point that we've improved the squad, not the team? I guess I see what he's getting at. Having said that, I think Tonali is a is a class player, and I've said that to you twice when we've been sitting in St James's. I look at that lad, and I know he's a he's a he's a class above uh, more a lot of our squad. Mm-hmm. I think the difficulty is we've got another class player, Bruno, and I, it's just not quite sitting right with those two. Okay. I'll tell you what. Let's get into um, let's get into our main kind of um, 
feature for today's show, which is we're going to be grouping each player. We're going to take a look at the players who've played so far this season in the four matches, mm. um, and then we're going to we're going to group them into four general categories, kind of just to see what we think of their performance. So, as there's no no match for Newcastle this week, um, and it has been a tricky start to the season, we, we sort of take take these with a pinch of salt in a sense, because obviously, if you compare the Villa game to the Brighton game. You, you might have standout performances in one and a terrible performance in the other. But really what we're doing here is kind of looking at the four games as a whole. Again, the Liverpool game, although we lost it, there was lots of good stuff in that first half. So there are, we, we, there's been enough football played where we can kind of categorise these players generally into these four categories. So I've, we've come up with these four categories, which are brilliant, solid, underwhelming and concerning. So... I think the easiest way to do it really is kind of just to go through just to go through the players. Um what do we reckon? Should we go through them in num we'll go through them in squad number order. Okay. Right. So we'll start right. with Kieran Trippier. So for me, um I've put Trippier in solid for this season. Yeah. Now he's had I think against Liverpool, he was absolutely outstanding for yeah. while he was on the pitch. Um but overall this season he's been absolutely solid. Yeah, agree. I think, uh, like I was saying, against um, Liverpool, and I think he did well against Villa, and I think um, it was just really the Brighton game that he he, he didn't he didn't um, play very well. But then I think that was a team players as well. True, so. true of many players against yeah. the Brighton game, I suppose. Um, okay, let's move on to Botman. So, what did you go for for Botman? Well, he's at least solid. And I think we missed him on Saturday. So, yeah. I mean, I love Botman. I think he's a really, really good player. And I think he was, he was, he's a big miss when he's not there, so he's, as he's yeah. proved. He's um, a tricky... I agree. I think there's not many players to go in brilliant for me, but I think Botman is is potentially one of them, I think. I did yeah. put him in solid in the end, but it was a very high solid, if that makes yeah. sense. I think yeah. he we, we do miss him when he's not there, no doubt. He is... He's, He's uh, he's our best centre back in the squad, and... and I think he was so unlucky to give that uh, Liverpool equaliser when the yeah. ball hit him on the back, and then he hits his heel and he plays the perfect through pass. I mean, yeah. on another day that bounces in a different direction, doesn't it? And that kind absolutely. of thing. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah. there you go. No, so, Botman's solid, high solid, high solid. Yeah, just just, just on the edge of brilliant. Yeah, um, Fabian Cher. Again, I, I think I'll put Cher and Botman yeah. together. It's interesting, actually. When, when I was doing this, um, when I looked at the defenders, a lot of them ended up in solid. Now, mm -hmm. the thing is, what's weird about that is I have actually got some concerns about the fact that we're conceding so many goals now and we're not keeping clean sheets. But um, as I wrote about earlier in the week, I actually don't think the issue with the... A number of goals we're conceding is necessarily down to the defence in a way, which sounds a bit bonkers. But we'll come on to that as we we come down to some. But my view on the central defenders is that we would be a lot worse off if those two players weren't there. Yeah, so I'm we with you as well. Off. I also put Cher in in solid again. So, yeah. so so far we've had three players all in solid. Botman maybe <laughs> maybe just edging it into um, into brilliant. Um, I'll skip over Lascelles. He has played, but he hasn't. Really yeah. good enough to give him a, a judgment. Um, so Joe Linton, Joe Linton. So Joe Linton for me, I put him in under underwhelming. Yeah, 
And it hurts me to say that because I love Joe Linton, but if we're being honest, he has not I don't think he's been himself this season so far. He hasn't no. he hasn't had that dominating he hasn't played that dominating role like he did do last season where he bullies people all the time. He's looked a little bit. I don't know. I think Julian, yeah, I, I agree. He looks at he he, he hasn't been, and I, and I think it's to do with the makeup of the midfield, um, and it's not as clear cut as what Joe, Joe Linton should be doing. I also think he, he started off quite well linking up with Anthony Gordon, particularly against Villa, um, but I think he misses Joe Willock, um, you know, because they had this interchange, and I think. We we miss Willick, uh, you know, because of his uh, speed and his athleticism. He gets about the pitch. I'm not saying Anthony Gordon doesn't, because Anthony Gordon's been really good. But I think Joe Linton has been underwhelming. I think he's uh, not at the level he was last season. And that may, may be the factors in there, like he was slightly injured. Yeah. He had sat- I mean, I was surprised he played last Saturday. Um, and I, but, yeah. So... That had something to do with it. I don't know, but he wasn't. He's not import. He didn't impose himself. Yeah, this is my point. I don't feel like he. I don't feel like it's like Joe Linton, like we've watched for the last year and a half, two years. No, I think no. It's just he's just not been quite on it this season so far. And yeah. hopefully, he can come back after the international break, have a run against some teams on paper that we should be able to compete with. You know. Fairly yeah. well, <laughs> and hopefully Joe Linton can rise into a solid category. Okay, let's move on to Tonali then. So where did you put Tonali in the end? <laughs> this is really hard, this Tonali one, because Villa, he was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't just good, he was brilliant. He was the best player on the standing, yeah. Um I think I, I didn't see the Man City game, to be honest, so I'm, I'm a little bit of a disadvantage there. Um and then your Liverpool game, I thought he did okay, but I think second half, he was caught. He was one of the ones that was caught between this um, attack or defence thing, and we were trying to retain possession. Having said that, he is a he's a class footballer, and his passing generally is really, really good. And what's really interesting to me with Tonali is when he gets the ball, he knows what he wants to do with it before he gets it, and he makes the pass quite often, immediately. And I think some of the players with him are not quite on that wavelength yet. Yeah, he's almost like... I would put him solid, personally. I would put him as brilliant, but I still think he's... I, th- I think by the end of the season, he'd be in brilliant. But yeah. I think at the yeah. moment, he's definitely in solid. And I agree, I think he's I think he's on another level um, sort of mentally to some of the other players in the squad. Mm-hmm. And it's, it might take a bit of time for them to catch up to... to kind of like his quick passing and that sort of thing. But he's had a really solid start against very tough opposition so far. Yes. So very encouraging yes, for me. Very much so. Okay, Callum Wilson hasn't played loads of minutes, but for me, when he's come in, I think he's looked more than solid. And actually, I was surprised he didn't get the start against Brighton. I'm surprised yeah, I was that he started well. against Brighton. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I, th- I did say it on the pod last week that we I thought he would start with Wilson against Brighton. Um, yeah, he's looked very sharp. He's looked very direct. He's looked... He has scored in the, the two games, hasn't he? So that he, in yeah. you know, the Villa game and then last week. Um, yeah, I, I love Thomas. When he's on form and he's fit, he, he is, he is a, he's a very good centre-forward. Yeah. So he's definitely had a solid start, despite limited minutes, I think. I think we both yeah. agree on that. It's quite interesting how we pretty much agree on everything so far, actually. Yeah. What about the next one, then, Anthony Gordon? Well, I think... <laughs> 
if he continued, the, if he played well against Brighton, then I would have had him in towards the brilliant because okay. I, I think he was he was brilliant against Villa. I think he played really well against well. He was good against Villa, and I think he was even better against Liverpool in that first half. Mm -hmm. He deserved his goal, and he was ripping uh, Arnold off, Trent Arnold yeah. off, um, and unfortunately he got taken off. Um, so I think he was he was he was he was towards brilliant, but I still think I, I've struggled to give any of them really a brilliant mark. To be honest, I I put Gordon in brilliant, and I tell you why because for for what you've just said. So the Villa game, he was outstanding. For the Liverpool game, while he was on the pitch, he was the best player on the pitch. And when he went off, that was when our problems really began. And against Man City, although we weren't massively effective going forward in the second half although he ended up getting himself booked and he got pulled off because Howe didn't want him to get sent off he was actually playing pretty well against Man City as well now I think the, the Brighton game we just need to we'll class that I think what once as long as that kind of form doesn't continue we'll we'll class yeah. that Brighton game when we look back yeah. on it in the future I think it'll be a bit of an outlier it'll just be one of those yeah, games and 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 so so for me, I think Gold, I put Gordon in in brilliant because I think he's been our best player so far this season, and I think I'm really really excited to see what he does actually for the rest of the season because yeah. I think yeah. we've got a real good player on our hands there. Um, okay, let's move on to Matty Target then. Matt Target, he's played a little. Oh, he, only, got... he only played last week, didn't he? Really, and, uh, and how much was it? You know, a bad team performance, and he yeah, got something. He did come on against Liverpool as well. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. I mean, it's difficult to judge a player on a game in a bit, isn't it? Really, it's like well, well, I, I put him in. I put him in concerning just because, obviously, he ha he has played in. <laughs> basically, the the Brighton game was a nightmare, and the the end of the Liverpool game was where it all went wrong when he was on the. Yeah. Pitch when that happened now. The, the reason I put him in concerning though is because it's. Like his performance has been concerning in the sense that he's looked off the pace. Now, I don't want to hit. Kick I had him as I think, but I think he hasn't played a lot of football, no. and I think it shows. Yeah, and I, and I think that's why I would have given the benefit there. And I would have had as underwhelming, which is slightly better than concerning. But uh, yeah. the other thing to remember on Saturday is he came in, then switched to central defender. And I'm not sure that if, if Target plays alongside Botman and Shaw, then I think it that's a different, a different. Um, it looks better. It's fair. It's it's fair. But then I guess you, you're hoping that players come in and, and, and pull the standard up, maybe. But anyway, um, so we disagree on that one a little bit, which is fair enough. Uh, number 14, then Alexander Isak. Where have you put him so far? <laughs> I think. Against Villa, he was he was brilliant. Yeah. Um, I think I didn't see the Man City game, like I say, so I cannot really judge how he performed. But I mean, I love Isaac. I think he's a he's a great player. He's got a lot going. Against Liverpool, um, he played well enough. I don't think you know he was the best player on our side that mm. day. He got uh, Van Dijk sent off, which was quite amusing. Um, and maybe you know if he. If he got that ball in his in his grasp, then you might have done something with it rather than you know ended up being fouled. Um, and then last week he he was just non-existent in in attack, but then we were as a team 
um, in that first half particularly. So, I mean, I like Glazer. I think he's solid. I can't, I can't give him anything less than solid because he's, you know, he, he's 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 an important part of that team. He is, and I love him. Um, but I, based on the start of the season, I put him in underwhelming because, yeah, the Villa game was very good. But I do think, I think, but I don't think it's necessarily his fault. The reason he's mm. been underwhelming. I actually think as a team we've struggled to give him the service that he requires yeah. for him to yeah. shine. And I appreciate it's a it's a team game, and mm. and maybe that's a little harsh on Isak, but I do I do feel like his start to the season has been underwhelming, and that's because really he hasn't really been that involved in some of the games, mm. and that's been mm. a big big part of why. Is there this question with Isak then? You know, we had this when he first came into the team, and he he was being switched with Callum Wilson about him leading, being the, the, the centre forward rather than in a front three with, you know... Because I, I think I think if you give him the right service, and by the right service I mean through balls and kind of playing diagonal balls into channels for him that he can run onto, he'll, he'll, he'll score against anyone. Yeah. The problem is, I think, unlike... We've got two strikers who play very differently. So when Wilson comes on, you want, you want the ball to the touchline mm-hmm. and crosses coming in. But Isak's not like that. So we it's almost like we have to play slightly differently when Isak's on the pitch to Wilson. Whether he can't I think it's I don't think it's that he can't lead the line himself. I think he's more than capable. I think he's absolutely brilliant. I I genuinely think he's potentially could be a world class yeah. footballer. Um I just think so far this season it just hasn't quite happened for him, but it's not all his fault. But for me, that's just it's left it just a little bit underwhelming at this point. But I hope by I don't know October, the end of October, he'll be more than solid, you know, because I think he's more than capable of that. Yeah. What about Harvey Barnes? Well, there's an interesting one. <laughs> when he came on against Villa, we thought, yeah, he's 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 good, he's solid, he's direct, he's confident. When he came on against Liverpool, it looked like he was hesitant, he was you know, underwhelming. Yeah, um, he had he had he had very similar um he had very si- similar chances against Villa and Liverpool, didn't he? He yes, almost he had did. carbon copy versions of where the ball came to him and how he was running. And against Villa, it was never in doubt that he was going to yeah. score. It was never in doubt yeah. that he was going to cross the ball to Wilson. I said that to you, didn't I? When he just ran through that ball against Villa, you just knew he was going to score. Yeah, but if he'd done that against Villa, we might have won the game. But for some reason, he just didn't... He he, he could see him sort of physically thinking in his head, like, oh, what do I do now? He he stopped, didn't he? I mean, he, like, stopped and looked across. And then, you know, you had uh, Wilson in the middle and the chance went, didn't it? Um, yeah, it was strange. So, I, I, did he come on against Fred? Because I, I switched the telly off and left after the, after 20 minutes when he went 3-0 because um, it was just... Uh, I had to go and pick him up anyway. But <laughs> yeah. basically, I don't know if Harvey Barnes came on against um, yeah. Brighton, did he? Um, can't remember. I think he did, but I can't remember. Um, okay, let's move on to Nick Pope. So what do we decide on him? Are we saying underwhelming? Well, you said underwhelming. I I actually gave him the benefit of the doubt and put him in solid, <laughs> which is <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, he's one of those ones. It could have been either. Yeah, I, I think his time will come. I think you know, as I say, Brighton was just a nightmare match, and the bounce back against Brentford will be interesting to see. I just hope it happens. It's going to tell us a lot about how we get on. I think yeah. Nick Pope. 
I think he's been a little bit um, underwhelming, I have to say. And, and I think I think it's like it's almost like the elephant in the room. This one, I think, when it put, yeah. I've had. You almost don't want to say it because everyone loves him, but mm-hmm. I just wonder if he's—I wonder if he's the actual top top quality keeper we actually feel we had or want or need going forward. And I, I think wonder in a couple of years' time, if he'll still be our keeper. I suspect not, and I tell you why. I think on the, he, he's not. The thing that's worrying at times is he's kicking and he's passing from and. If you look at the top teams, they have keepers who can play with their feet. And I don't think Pope can do that. I mean, I like Nick Pope. I love Nick Pope. And last season, he was outstanding for us. Um, but I, do, I just wonder about his hand injury. I know somebody mentioned this. Does that play in his mind a little bit? But if you look at Saturday, the Brighton game, the, the second, was it the first goal? Or the, second, the, the, the one that basically that um, he, he kicked it out and kicked it straight to a Brighton man. Then it came back in. Tenali sort of waved his leg at it and then didn't close the player down and the shot came in. Now, last season, I think Pope would have done better with the shot. Mm. Um, but he spilled it straight back out to Ferguson, who rifled it into the net. Mm. So Pope was involved in a category, in two of those mistakes, as far as I could see. And maybe I'm being harsh on the shot because it was a hell of a shot. Um, yeah, it's not just that do, for me. That, I have concerns. I... Yeah, I had. There's just been a couple of times, even in the Villa game, actually, but uh, the Liverpool game at home, both the games when I've actually been there this season, there's just that. He doesn't fill me with confidence when the ball comes back to him, to his feet, like you say. That that worries me. And I was actually saying to someone pretty recently, like, it kind of reminds me of, you know, when Pep Guardiola got rid of. What's his face from Man City? If his name escapes me at the moment, um, Joe Hart. Joe Hart. Yeah, um, and he just and everyone was like, "Oh, you can't get rid of Joe Hart." And Pep knew exactly what he was doing. And I just wonder oh. if, in a year or two's time, the question mark about whether we can get a better keeper than Nick Pope arrives. I'm, I really like Nick Pope. I think he's a good keeper. Um, he definitely improved us in the last year or two. You know, he is a good keeper, but so far this season he's underwhelming. Maybe even slightly concerning. I don't even know. Maybe that maybe that's too harsh. I don't know. But um certainly underwhelming. I think he's definitely not, underwhelming not... so far. And and I just hope I hope he becomes solid rather than becomes concerning. Yeah, um, but yeah. I, he's on my radar, if I'm honest. He's on my radar. Um okay, let's move on then. Uh, what about Miggy? Controversial character at the, this season, it seems. Underwhelming, I guess. I think he should score more goals. Yeah, I actually struggled with this one because I didn't. I almost didn't want to be too harsh on Miggy because I feel like he is a little bit of a scapegoat to some fans. But then, I do think he he had three really good chances against Liverpool, and yeah, you could say brilliant save for the first one and all that stuff. But actually, I think if you're if if you're uh, that high level, you need to be putting one of those away. I think, and I think. That's the criticism that'll always be there of him because I don't think he's not going to change now, is he? He's like thirty. He is what he is. We saw a weird thing. We saw a weird thing from Miggy on on Saturday. I don't know if you picked this up, um, but he actually had a sort of a shot with his right foot, and then nearly caught them out. Wow! Should do it more often. Early on in the game, and I said to Graham, 
I was watching it with Graham and I, I said, did you, you realise what he's just done there? I think he's done that. Maybe he's been listening to this podcast. Yeah, I think so. Miggy works hard and he always will work hard, yeah. but his end product needs to be better. Yeah. And he's I, I he's think another he's one that's going to get up. He'll be upgraded in a year or two. You yeah. know, that's that's what will yeah. happen. Uh, okay, um, Elliot Anderson, has he played enough to really judge him? I've been disappointed that he hasn't been on the pitch more. Yeah, I, I honestly more. thought he should have I, had I a bit more found, time. I actually put him in solid based on very yeah. little time, really. But from what I've seen of him when he's when he has played, I've, he's been exciting. It looks like to me like he's ready for the I, season. I think he's had a pre-season. I think he, yeah. he, he, he was almost knocking on the door of being in the team. Um, but I, I think we'll see a lot more of Elliot Anderson as the season progresses. Yeah, uh, Dan Byrne. Oh, Dan Byrne. Yeah, underwhelming. I think yeah, I, I was disappointed with him on Saturday. Um, people, people say he's a full, he's a centre half, but he just looks off the pace at centre half. Yeah. I think he gets away with it a little bit at fullback um, more than think, perhaps he should. I think he's been found out this season, but again, it's it's because of how our football is going rather than anything he's doing differently. So last season he played left left back for us all season quite well he yeah. drops into a back three when we're on the attack all that kind of stuff and that works what isn't working this season in my opinion is the midfield trio in front of him and that's not helping Dan Byrne because we're less solid in that midfield trio and I think that's where I always say this and I, I learned this as a child you win games in midfield, you win and lose games in midfield, and yeah, that is why we're losing games at the moment because that balance in that midfield trio is not yeah. what it was last season. Even though we've got Tenali in there and Bruno in there and Joe Linton, it's not quite right. For some reason, it's not quite clicking. And is it individual performance from the likes of Bruno and Joe Linton or is it a more, is it a more deep-rooted issue with the system? And that's my concern is can this be fixed because Eddie Howe wants us playing this fluid style and at the moment it's it's leaving us exposed and it's leaving Dan Byrne exposed more than he was last season. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I, I think the, the, the other thing about it is uh, people have... Other teams are not stupid. You know, the, the, the other managers, these top-class managers, you know, whether it be Klopp or whether it be... Um, deserve it, um, Brighton. I mean, they're, they're top managers, you know, and and they'll have watched us. They know how we play, and really, I think going back to Shearer's point, have we changed the team enough to make us different to what we were last season? Because you can't saying, Dad, isn't it? Stands it's still saying. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Sorry, I've just completely talked over you. But yeah, yeah if you if you stand still in football, you go backwards. Yeah, and I think there's a bit of a danger that that. That could happen to us. I mean, it's still early days and we're only four games. The break will do, but let's see what happens yeah. the next few games. But underwhelming for Dan Byrne. Underwhelming for Dan Byrne. Yeah. To me, to be honest, Ian, I, I, I would think that um, Lewis Hall will be in that position before. He's the, he's the one on that side, yeah, isn't he? he is. Yeah, 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 he is. yeah. Yeah, I think Lewis Hall will be in that position. In, I do too. In the, I'll tell you what, you talk about changing the identity of the team. If we have Lewis Hall in that team, from everything I know about what I've read about him over the last yeah. couple of weeks, he's more attack-minded. He's a, he's a more... Yeah. Uh, it's going to give us a Kieran Trippier-type player on the left wing. And yeah, I think that, that makes us very different as a team, if we can yeah. attack like that. So maybe that will be the change that we need 
to change our identity, confuse teams and give them something to think about that they're not having to think about at the moment. I I think we'll see Liverpool coming at that team in the next two or three games and you know that will change. There will be a lot of switching anyway with obviously the fixture list that we've got. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. But I, I do see a big big thing with us all this season. Yeah. yeah, great. Okay, two players left. Sean Longstaff. He hasn't played enough again, I don't think. I mean, he's not. Yeah. He's coming back from injury. He's coming back from it's injury. It's hard to judge. I think he'll be an important part, actually, against Brentford, because I think he plays Sean Longstaff as well. Yeah, I think, he, I think he might give us that defensive edge that we need. That we yeah. just seem to just be lacking a little bit at the moment. Um, yes, yeah, maybe, maybe too early on long stuff. And remember, Brentford are going to be a, di- a counter-attacking team and they're going to be quite dangerous, you know. So yeah. I think we've got to be right on the day to um, to ensure that we get the yeah. get the win. Um, we'll come back it's to, not, come back to it's not a given. Our chances. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and last but not least, uh, our Brazilian friend Bruno. Um. Wasn't talking about Tenali either. How, how, did we talk about Tenali? Oh yeah, we. Yeah, I was ages ago. Yeah, Bruno. <laughs> I think Bruno is the most foul player in the history of football. Every time he gets the ball, <laughs> he gets back down. Um, yeah, he's been slightly underwhelming, if I'm honest. I mean, the stats might prove that he's still doing a lot of the good work that he was doing, but I just think when we, he's not the Bruno that we know we he can be. And the thing I keep I said to Graham on Saturday, that's Graham's my brother-in-law, I was watching it with him. It, uh, and basically I said, class is permanent form is temporary. And I think Bruno is still a class player. And I think it's just about Eddie Howe getting the way of working, getting him and Tonali to work together. Um, yeah. That emphasises their strengths. Okay. Not to be too controversial here, but I actually put Bruno in concerning, but absolutely not because of his ability, but because... Mm. I feel a little bit concerned about how long Bruno hasn't looked like Bruno for. Yeah. I just wonder if his injury hasn't been dealt with properly in the summer. Like, because he yeah. played through it. We know that he played through it last season, and thank God he did, because actually, yeah. when he wasn't in the team, we, we, didn't. we didn't win, basically. That's right. So he played through the pain barrier. But I just wonder if that, that injury has actually been dealt with properly. Yeah. And so. I put him in concerning because I am concerned about him long term. Yeah. Is is yeah. he fit? Is he right? Does he need to actually go and get himself fully sorted and then come back stronger? That's mm-hmm. my concern with him. Yeah. He has he's definitely it's been underwhelming. Point. He hasn't yeah. been the Bruno that we know and love and we all want Bruno. It's interesting to, to see how he gets on with Brazil, didn't we? Yeah. In this this two games that he's got for them as well, won't yeah. it? So he might show a lot, I don't know. Um, football's amazing isn't it we have these great players you know and we kept saying last season particularly you know 18 months ago and then through the big early spot last season Bruno Bruno and all that but actually it's interesting that the, the, this start there has been a lot of murmurings about Bruno um, which weren't I there just wanna, I mean I just want to state I love him and I think it's, it's, oh, not, it's nothing about his ability because he's got it And but I just want to see him back to what he was like the first 12 months he was yeah. at the club yeah, definitely. You know, because um, it, it, yeah, he's just yeah, not yeah. quite hitting the hitting no. the heights he was. The thing is, though, I, and, and I, it comes back. You wrote that year article the other day, and I read it, and about the trend in the team, and it's interesting because we look at the trends 
um, of the fact we've been conceding goals more regularly, albeit maybe just one, but more, you know, it's been two and it was three, you know, on Saturday. Um, but that trend has been there in this, this sort of last six, seven months. Um, the other thing one, I know one clean sheet, one clean sheet since April, and that was yeah. um, against Leicester. And in terms of our home games, you know, when you look at it, I mean, Arsenal came and beat us. Then we beat Brighton, drew against Leicester, beat Villa and lost to Liverpool. So that's two out of five home league games, albeit almost to the end of the season, beginning of the new. Um, but those games at the end of the season were not games that need to be just um, neglected because they were important matches. So two out of five defeats at home when we, we hardly lost... Um, two games in the whole season, but we, we did. But, you know, it was over like eight or nine months. Um, so it's just little murmurings and worries. Um, it just goes to show where football can take it, isn't it? It was always going to happen. We were always going to have a, a dip. It's happened at the start of the season. But actually, I still maintain the Liverpool game was just a freak. We should have won that game. So it yes. wasn't actually, if we'd have won that game, we'd have gone, yeah, we deserve to win and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. We lost to Man City. We beat Liverpool and we beat Villa. Nothing's wrong there. And then it's a different. It's a very different outlook. But because of the way we lost the the Liverpool match, it, and then lost obviously badly to Brighton, it now feels very very different very to how bad. we should be yeah. feeling. And we have to take it on the chin. But I, I think this. I'm still confident the team will get on a roll after this international break. And yeah, yeah if we can beat, I still think we're. Brexit, I still think we're a good team. I think we're a good team, yeah. and I'm. I'm, I'm know that Eddie Howe, the way he works, he'll be pouring over everything over this break. I just think he needs to be a, maybe a bit braver with some of his um, team selections. I think I it has become a bit samey, and maybe that is one of the issues we, we he needs to address as the, you know the manager, coach, um, and I think we've we've got to introduce something new into the team that will make us. Um, and Tenali and Bruno are great players. And up front, we've got a lot of th- goal threat. We said this, didn't we? We would score loads of goals. Um, we'll see where we are, as I say, by the end of October. That's a big, a good run of games. Lovely. Right, thank you, Dad. Um, You're welcome. Good show. Nice to talk about uh, where the players are at at the moment. We'll do that again <laughs> later in the season and hopefully yeah. reevaluate where some of them are. And hopefully, a lot of them will have moved up to what? solid or outstanding or um, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would like to say to people who are listening, um, you know, it feels like we've been very, you know, critical and negative and things, but I think it's an honesty out of where we are. And I guess I've been reading some of the things on, online as well. And there is this realization we've got to be balanced and objective. Um, but we do need to improve, and hopefully that'll start against Brentford, and then carry on in Milan, um, and we'll we'll be happy again. <laughs> Absolutely right. Thank you very much, and thanks everyone for listening. If um, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with other people because that's how we that's how we grow. And it would be really amazing if you could share it with other Newcastle United supporters who might be interested in listening to this. Uh, we will be back with another podcast next week. So have a great week and uh, yeah, we'll be previewing the, the Brentford game next week and looking forward to the return of club football. See you next week.